Welcome to the Dream Job System, the only podcast that provides proven tangible strategies to help you land a job you love without traditional experience and without applying online. Get ready to level up your job search with your host, Austin Belsack. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dream Job System podcast. I'm your host, Austin Belsack. And in this episode, I'm going to teach you how to prepare for and answer case study interview questions. So case study interview questions for the sake of this specific episode are those questions that you're asked that are a little bit more role related and real world focused. So essentially, the goal is to give you a scenario and to see what your thought process is and how you might come up with solutions for that specific scenario. So this is a bit different than the formal case study interviews that you might have for like a consulting job or anything like that. And these tend to be far more wide ranging. In fact, you're probably going to be asked some sort of case study interview question for pretty much any job job that you're going to be interviewing for. And that's exactly why we're going to talk about them on this episode, because a lot of people really struggle to answer these. One, they don't always expect them. And then two, when they do get asked these, even if they do expect them, there's a lot of pressure in that one moment to come up with the quote, right answer, the right solution. So what I want to do is give you a framework for preparing for these questions so that you can actually get some reps and you can get some comfort built up with these specific questions and answers before you step in the door for your interview. And then once you're actually in there, you'll have frameworks for going about answering these case study questions. So to give you a couple of examples of what a case study question might look like, I pulled up an article called Eight Product Manager Case Study Interview Questions. And I want to start by sharing them with you so you get a sense for what these questions are all about. So the first question in here is, could you describe your favorite product in the market right now? The next question is, what improvements would you make to the design of our product? The third question is, how might you successfully launch a new product in an emerging market, say in India? How would you prioritize these features for this product? So on and so forth. So you kind of get the picture here where the interviewer is asking you a very open-ended question that is going to directly relate to what you'd be doing in the role. So for example, if this interviewer says, how would you prioritize these four features that we're thinking about launching for our product? you actually have to think through how you might prioritize those features. And there should be some rhyme or reason, right? There should be some method to the madness, a system that you're using to decide which one should get the top priority and then how they should be stack ranked from there. And what the interviewer is looking for is how you take this very, very broad question given to you on the spot and actually come up with a workable solution. And again, the whole idea here is to take a look behind the curtain, to understand your thought process when you're presented with new problems, to understand how you handle questions in a higher pressure situation. So in order to be successful with these questions, there are basically two components. There is the preparation and there is your actual answer. So I'm actually going to start with the latter. We're going to start with the answers that you give, and then we're going to back into the preparation. Now, the biggest mistakes that people make when they start answering these questions is that they just start talking and they basically think out loud. And the problem with that is when the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back in. And as we all know, when we want to present a system, when we want to present a deliverable or something that we've worked on, we want it to be polished. We want it to be thought through. We want it to be the best that we have to offer. And typically behind the scenes, there's tons of iterating. There are bad ideas. There are good ideas. There are mediocre ideas. There are innovative ideas. There are crazy ideas. We've gone down the path with all of them. We've tested them. We've thought them through. We've bounced the ideas around with other people. And we've slowly refined our way into one, two, maybe three ideas that really have some teeth. And then we start to flesh those out. And eventually we land 
on one, maybe two ideas that we end up presenting in a polished presentation. So when we just start talking and thinking out loud in the interview, we're basically undermining the value of that final polished solution. And instead, we're taking people through the crazy brainstorming phase, which really isn't what they're looking for. Instead, we want to consolidate that phase and we want to talk about it, but we don't want to take them through it step by step, right? It's almost like if you were to miss yesterday's Super Bowl, let's say, and you just wanted to catch up on the most important moments of the game, you would watch the highlight reel. You wouldn't go back and start with minute one of the pregame show and watch all six hours of coverage, right? You would just go check out the highlight reel. So that's exactly what we're aiming for here. We want to give people the highlight reel and then we want to take them deeper when it matters. So Instead of just speaking and starting and thinking out loud, the first thing that I want you to do is to rephrase the question back to the interviewer. So let's say that you're interviewing for a role at Cultivated Culture, and I asked you, how would you prioritize these four features that Cultivated Culture is launching for its ResiMatch product? So the first step here is to rephrase that question back to me. So I might say, you know, thanks so much for asking that. Just to make sure that I fully understand what you're asking, you want me to take the four features that you've just laid out and you want me to walk you through my thought process for how I would gather data and work to understand which of these features we should prioritize. Is that on base or am I missing anything? So by doing that, you're essentially doing two things. One, you're confirming all of the information with the interviewer. Oftentimes, a lot of stuff falls through the cracks or gets lost in translation where we assume, oh, they're saying this and they actually meant something else. So by reconfirming here, we're making sure that you and the interviewer are both on the same page, which is just going to help your answer stay relevant and coherent. The second thing, and maybe even more important, is that you're buying yourself some time to start brainstorming, right? Okay, I have to prioritize these four features. How would I do that? How have I done that in the past? What are some of the options that I can go with? And that's going to lead us into the next strategy, which is to start asking limiting questions. So when I say limiting questions, essentially what we're working to do here is leverage questions to force the interviewer to set parameters on their specific question, right? Because if somebody says, how would you prioritize the features for this product? Well, there's so many things that we could do here, right? One, we could just randomly assign priorities to them. That's probably not what they're looking for, but that's one option. The second thing we could do is just go get customer feedback. And then we could say, okay, the customers prefer these four features in this specific order, so let's do that. And maybe that's something that you can do on your own, but maybe that's something that you have to tap into the client success team or the customer success team for. And now we've added in another team. So that could bring up a question, right? What teams are at my disposal? Who can I tap into here? But then another thing might come up, right? How much can we spend on this? Is this a $0 endeavor? Am, am I just operating with whatever I have available to me? Or is there a budget for this? Can I bring people in? Can we leverage you know, consulting firms? Can we leverage you know, third-party tools? Can we do all that? And now there's another question, right? What is my budget for this? So basically, you can see that what we're doing here is we're asking these limiting questions to help set parameters because when the interviewer sets the parameters, that parameter now becomes viable. And when we narrow the scope of the question and the scenario at hand, it becomes much, much easier to create a very specific answer, which at the end of the day is going to win. Because if you were to just start diving into answering, prioritizing these four features, you could come up with this massive dissertation, right? There are so many different steps that you could take. Whereas if you were asked, how would you prioritize these four features given this specific budget 
given the ability to work with these specific teams, given this specific feedback and given this specific timeline. Well, that's much more constrained, right? That's much more limited in scope and that's gonna make us better able to be specific. So essentially what we're doing by asking these limiting questions is to get the interviewer to set different limits, making it easier for us to answer. The ancillary benefit of asking these limiting questions is the same ancillary benefit that we saw in the first strategy is that with every question, we're buying more time to come up with our cohesive answer in our head. So every time we ask this person a question, even if we think we already know the answer to that question, we're buying ourselves some time to think through all of the options and how we're going to weave those into a cohesive, relevant, specific answer that's going to wow our interviewer. So let's walk through a specific example here, right? And we can use the same question. So if somebody was interviewing you and they said, how would you prioritize these four specific features that we're thinking about launching for our ResiMatch product at Cultivated Culture? So leaning on our first strategy, what I'm immediately going to reply with is a rephrasing of the question. Thanks so much for asking this. That's an awesome question. Just to make sure that I fully understand, you want to know how I would go about coming up with a system and a process for analyzing these four specific features for the ResiMatch tool and then prioritizing them in terms of where our developers should spend their time, effort, and energy. Is that correct or am I missing anything? So I might say, nope, that's correct. You got it. That's that's 100% what I'm looking for. How would you go about it? So at this point, I hope that you've thought through some questions. And the first one might be, awesome. So my first question is, what teams am I able to tap into here? Am I able to tap into engineering? Am I able to tap into marketing? Am I able to tap into customer success? And obviously, you want to pick real teams that exist at the company. But by listing them out, again, you're buying yourself a little more time. So I might say to you, you're able to tap into all of those teams. Engineering's fine, marketing's fine, customer success is fine. Let's just say that you could tap into any team that you wanted to at the company. I might say, all right, great. And then is there a budget for this initiative? Or am I working with the data and information that I have now in-house? Because with a budget, you know, there are tools and there are firms that are available to us, but I totally understand if we just want to do this in-house. I have experience doing both of these, so I just want to make sure that my answer is as relevant to your specific situation as possible. So now as the interviewer, I might say, that's a great question. For this specific scenario, let's say that you have no budget available to you and you just have to work with what you have. Awesome. So now we know the specific teams we can tap into, and we know the fact that we don't have a budget, and we've bought ourselves 30 to 60 seconds of time where we can think through our process. So now you can either ask more limiting questions, or you can jump into the actual process itself if you're ready to do that. And I might say something like, Great. So this is a really, really common scenario. And I've been through this a lot in my career where we've had multiple features, we weren't sure which to prioritize. And what I've always found is that we need a mix of data in order to really understand what features would be the best to prioritize right now. A lot of people make the mistake of just assuming that customer feedback drives everything or ROI drives everything. And what I found is that blending together a few very specific metrics tends to lead to the best outcomes. So to start, I would want to collect three specific pieces of data. First, I would want to get that customer feedback. I would want to understand, you know, if we offered these four options to our customers, which they'd want to see prioritized first and why. And that's going to give us a sense of what our customers want. Then I would want to understand how these features tie directly back to revenue. So I might go talk to the engineering team and pull some data around the projections for revenue for each of these features. And then I might go grab this third piece of data from this third place for this third reason, right? 
And putting those all together, what I can see now are the overlaps between the features customers want and the features that are going to drive the highest ROI for us. And then based on that, I'm going to prioritize these features from first to fourth, and then we're going to start executing on them. So that's a very brief answer to one of these case study interview questions, but hopefully you could see how I took those specific strategies we talked about of parroting back the question to the interviewer and then asking some limiting questions before jumping into my answer that I'd been thinking about in the back of my head while I was asking all of those things. So then how do you prepare for these? Well, there's really only one way to do that. And that is to go find these case study questions and to start thinking through the questions that you might ask, the limiting questions that you might ask, and then to come up with a cohesive answer. So in order to do that, we first need to come up with questions. And the easiest way to do this is to just run a Google search for your job title and case study interview questions. So to find the questions I mentioned earlier, I typed in product manager case study interview questions. You could type in user experience design case study interview questions or software engineer case study interview questions, whatever aligns with this role that you're interviewing for. Then once you have a list of these questions, I would write them down. And if you can, I would try to find somebody else to come and actually do a mock interview with you where they ask you one of these questions and then you start asking them the limiting questions in return and then you come up with your cohesive answer. But if you can't have somebody else, you know, if you don't know of anybody who might be willing to do this or whatever it is, you can actually do this yourself. So you can just sit down and get yourself in the right space and say, okay, here's the question. How would you prioritize these four features for this product? And then you can start by rephrasing and re-asking the question, right? So just so I understand what you're asking me is X, is that on base? Am I missing anything? And then you can go into your limiting questions. And the key here is to practice coming up with limiting questions. That can be the toughest part for a lot of people. So the more that you practice coming up with questions that will limit the scope of the scenario that's being presented to you, the easier this will be in the actual interview. And then once you have your limiting questions and you can come up with the answers to them yourself, then you can go about delivering your cohesive answer. But if you do this, you're really, really going to impress a lot of your interviewers because one, it's going to show that you're really thoughtful. It's going to show that you're not just jumping in and rambling and giving this incoherent answer, but you actually have a thought process and you take your time to get the data you need and you take the time to be really clear about expectations. And then you're also going to be able to deliver a really, really strong answer because you've taken this extra time and because you've limited the scope. So that answer that's going to be really strong is just going to work in your favor as well. So I hope this was helpful for anybody who struggled with these types of scenario-based case study questions in interviews. As always, if you found this podcast valuable, I'd so appreciate it if you'd share it with one other person who is also interviewing or who might be struggling with these questions as well. Spreading the word is the best way for us to help other job seekers get this information and to level up their job search. So I am eternally grateful for that. And I will see you in the next episode of the podcast.